Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hello, I'm Peter King. Welcome to the MMQB podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, a podcast conversation with Roger Goodell, straight from the NFL offices in Manhattan in advance of the NFL owners' meetings beginning Sunday in Phoenix. And I asked Goodell why the big emphasis on shaving time from the average NFL game. I'm seeing things that disturb me or that I find an intrusion. And particularly as we get into this age now where there's so many distractions for our fans, I don't want to give them an excuse to move off of football. Now, my conversation with the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King here with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. This is Thursday before the annual NFL meetings, Roger, and we're sitting here in the Art McNally Command Center uh, in the NFL offices in New York City. And it's kind of fitting that we're here because there's going to be quite a bit of stuff that has to do with both officiating and pace of game, which, you know, a lot of that occurs right here. Uh, and we will touch on uh, the possible Raiders move later in the podcast. But I'd like to, first of all, thanks a lot for uh, joining me. Yeah, my thrill. This is great. Good. So I want to start by asking you what has happened in your mind in the last, say, two or three or four years that made you so intent on addressing the pace of the game. Well, it's not that we hadn't looked at it. Uh, we have always looked at it. We, we looked at the length of the game since I was a young intern, and that was one of the things I put in a report was how long our games were. But over the last decade or so, we've really focused on uh, looking below the surface of something like that, looking what makes up that number and what it is we can address effectively to make it better which is sort of our mantra around here. You know, it's a, a relentless pursuit to, to get better in everything we do. And I, I think what we, we saw clearly, and I, I experienced it as a football fan. I, when I'm watching games on Sunday, I'm watching as a football fan. Um, so whether I'm in a stadium or if I'm at home watching on television or if I'm here right here in the command center, I'm seeing things that, I, that disturb me or that I find an intrusion. And particularly as we get into this age now where uh, 
there's so many distractions for our fans. I don't want to give them an excuse to, to move off of football. I want them to be there all the time. I want them to engage in football. And so we have to do everything to make that experience compelling. Again, whether they're on a watching in front of a television, they're on a device, or they're in a stadium. And so we see areas, and we have seen areas, that we know we can improve on. And we also did a, a tremendous amount of research directly with the fans this year to verify that. And are we on target? Is there something we're missing? Is there something that is more meaningful than not? And I, I think what we found was the research backed up everything we really were focused on and maybe surprised us on a few things, which was good because now we can adjust. So one of the things that you have uh, focused on is the amount of time. I mean, what has gotten a lot of attention here this week is looking at the in-game commercials differently than they always have been. Instead of doing maybe so many breaks during the game, you'll do fewer breaks and maybe you'll do them for 30 seconds longer for, per break, whatever, which I think is common sense. But the one interesting thing is, and it has to do with officiating, is I've always thought that the time spent with the camera focused on Bill Vinovich walking over to the hood <laughs> and maybe go to commercial, but maybe not, that is something that could easily be pared down. So when did you start focusing on that? You know, I, Peter, to your point, and nothing against Bill Vinovich, but it drives me crazy when I'm watching a game. The amount of time we spend, we there's a flag that goes down. We go over. We talk to the coach. We then make an announcement. Then he runs, goes over to the under the hood. He comes back, and sometimes they have a decision, and they're standing there waiting before they can make the announcement until TV gets back. And now we obviously want to obviously be well coordinated with our television partners and make sure that experience is is right there. But it can be done so much more effectively and efficiently. And I think that's one of where I, listen, a couple of years ago, we have Dean involved with the instant replay decision in this office. So I think you've been in here on a Sunday. Uh, it's really quite extraordinary to be in here and you see what's going on. But that's, that's the real core of that was to create a consistency with our decision making is that let's make sure we have all the information and all the feedback and we can get to the right place. We get the right decision. That's ultimately what it's See, about. I've always felt about officiating, and, and I want to touch on this right now. I've always felt about officiating, especially after spending an afternoon here the first year that the command center, you know, that Alberto Riveron and mm -hmm. Dean Blandino were on the headset to the officials in the stadium. I've always felt like instead of having Jeff Triplett have his – sort of deep down, even though you, you train the referees to everybody think the same, it's just natural that people are going to have different opinions when they see a play. I've always thought, ever since I saw it that day, that officiating should be centralized. And the last word on replay should come from people who are making every decision on replay if they can. But that was, I'm not saying it was hidden in here, but that really wasn't the crux of what you're trying to do. But I think it's sort of a big deal. It's, it's a very big deal for us because I think the first thing that's going to address and the reason why we're doing it is the consistency issue. That's, that's the core of what we're doing. But we also believe that it will be 
very effective in, in being able to take downtime out that we just discussed a few minutes ago. We can, we, there's no question in my mind we can do it more quickly. And that's, that's also a, a huge benefit to us because it's part of the initiative here. With Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, in advance of the NFL meetings in Phoenix coming up starting on Sunday. So do you believe you will get more consistency of officiating if you get more consistency from the replay command center with basically Dean Blandino and Alberto Riveron having the final say? Well, I think it will undoubtedly lead to better consistency. But as I pointed out, for the last two years, we've had them involved with the discussion. Um, I'm not sure there's ever been a point in time where Dean and Alberto may have disagreed with the referee or vice versa. I think you know, when they get in there, they see the same replay and they probably get to the same place. Uh, I think it'll be a little more efficient because what you'll be able to do is Dean or Al will be in a position to have looked at it before the referee even gets to the tablet and they'll be able to say this is the best view um, and they'll be able to make sure they get the referee's viewpoint and then a decision will come pretty quickly. So I think the decision will happen more quickly. There won't be the running around, and we'll get to a better place more quickly. But the consistency is, there's undoubtedly that's going to be a benefit. Do you believe that your referees and your officiating crews, uh, do you have any idea? Have you spoken to any of them? Will they be sure. in favor of this, or yeah, will they we had be a, anti this? Listen, when we had the competition committee meeting in Indianapolis, uh, we had three or four officials in the room. And we talked about this. Um, you know, our officials are great professionals. They, they, they want to get it right. They want to have a system that ultimately officiates at the highest levels, and they want to be part of that. And you know, when we put officiating in a couple of decades ago, it's hard to say that, but it's true, but uh, there was a little reluctance because they didn't want to be, quote-unquote, second guess. But they saw the value in it and that we got it right. And that they were... You're saying you put in replay a couple of decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, right. And when we did that, there was some reluctance initially. The, ref, the officials sort of said, well, I don't want to be second-guessed. But what they saw was that we're going to get it right. And we're going to get it right more often. And that's ultimately what they want. And so there was an adoption of that quickly. I think the officials are in the same way. What do we do to make sure we officiate this game at the highest level? It deserves that. The game does. Our fans do. The coaches do, the players do. I think all of that is, uh, I think, a, a singular focus of all of us. So I, I believe the officials are going to wrap their arms around this, yes. You've always sort of been focused on, not always, but most of the time, making sure, <laughs> making sure you have the votes before you call for a vote. Do you think you have the votes on this centralized replay uh, system? I haven't done it. You know, the competition committee was, uh, was unanimous on this. They all believed it was the right thing to do. I think that holds a lot of sway in the room. Um, we've had lots of discussions, and frankly, we've been moving down this path with moving the, at least Dean being involved in the decision a couple of years ago. That was a big step. We, had, we wanted to test the technology, make sure it worked, that we could have the right communication, that we could all be watching the same uh, tape at, when those decisions are made. We're all convinced of that now. It's, it's worked quite well. This is a natural evolution. This is the right next step.
Is Dean Blandino prepared for 119 million people to call him a, a, an absolute we, bum? He's, and, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, we're all subject to that. And he's, you know, he's in here and he makes the tough calls every week with these things. He's, uh, you know, I, I, he's a true professional who really is a student of the game and understands this game incredibly well. And he's well suited to do this. This is the MMQB podcast. I don't know about you, but I don't like to shave. Honestly, who does? You get nicks and scratches on your face. That's not fun. Let's face it. Razors are super expensive. That is, I thought they were until I got my first package of razors from Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. So Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were fed up with getting ripped off, started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own blade factory. Smart guys. By taking less profit and selling directly to you over the internet, Harry's offers their blades at half the price. Just $2 a blade compared to the $4 or more you'll pay at the drugstore. And now comes the best part of all. Harry's is so confident you'll love their blades, they're giving you their trial set for free. Just cover the $3 shipping. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle. And I got to tell you something. The reason I love this razor handle, it feels so good in your hands. It doesn't slip. When your hand is wet, this thing will not move. You also get five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. That's a $13 value for you to try. Stop messing around and start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your free trial offer. $13 value for free. You just have to cover the shipping. To get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, go to harrys.com slash king right now. That's harrys.com slash king. How much time do you believe would be saved, would be paired from an average game by not only centralized officiating, but in giving guys tablets on the field instead of having them walk over to the hood? Just those two changes? Yes. I would say it's probably in the neighborhood of a minute and a half a game. Somewhere in that area? Average. On average. And that would certainly depend on the number of replays, number of reviews per game. Of course. Yeah. But we, we have pretty much an average on that. Um, what are the average number of, of reviews per game? Uh, I believe it's three. Yeah. So basically, you figure that about 30 seconds per review you could save. Mm-hmm. One other question just about reviews. You also brought up the concept of split screens at times, Okay with advertisers or with your network partners. I think my first reaction when I heard this is, man, if I am Coca-Cola, am I really going to want to have my ad put on only half the screen while we watch Gene Sterator come over and do something after, you know, announcing a replay? What have your network partners said about that, Roger, and, and what has their attitude been toward it? Well, first, let me make the point that we're not talking about doing that while there's action on the field. In other words, this is not between the whistles. 
this would be something where, um, and we've seen it happen in other entertainment, we've seen it happen in other sports, where you would actually be waiting for a decision. And fans like to see what's going on while I'm away at commercial. This way they can, they'll have the commercial there, but they know they're not missing any action. A sponsor and advertiser loves that opportunity because they're not distracting the fan. They're not in the way between the fan understanding what's going on while they're missing it. They're, they're actually still there able to watch it. And that's something we think we've seen it in, uh, in television today, and we think that there's a real opportunity to do that effectively, but very limited. Again, I, we don't want to have a split-screen uh, commercial while we're third and one. That's right. not what we're interested in. We're, what, give me an example of when that you, when there might be a split screen. You could do it in a replay. Uh, as the officials are looking at a tablet and in conversation with Dean, they have a, a split screen up. And so they haven't left the field. They see what's going on. They know, the fan knows, I'm not missing anything. They're still in review. And I'm going to get that answer when it comes. Because one of the other things we've talked about, uh, Peter, is that do we wait to get back from television to make the announcement? You know, there are 70,000 people in the stadium that know when a decision's been made, but the officials standing there waiting for television. They know that. I know that. It's frustrating from a fan standpoint. So should we go and make the announcement? In a double box, could we come out of the double box and they would get the, the announcement at the same time that everybody else gets it? And quicker than they would in the past. That's those are good things for. Let's for say you're in a double box and Tony Carreni comes back and he's ready to make his announcement, but the commercial is going on and it, it there's audio in the commercial to pay attention to. What do you do? Do you kill the audio and those listen things, to Carreni? Those are the things we're going to work out, and and it'll be depend on the networks and also the advertiser of how we handle that. There are a couple ways you could do it. You could switch the audio. To, to pick up Tony Carrenti making the announcement. You could put in uh, some kind of, um, you know, language or something that would indicate what the decision was, reverse, yeah. not reverse, upheld. Uh, it would be easy to try to be able to do that. But I think that's where innovation comes in. We have to figure those things out. It's a great opportunity for us. Um, but at the core of it, it's good for the fan, right? It, and it, I think it's good for the game because it will move the game along. And to reemphasize this, we're, we have 156 plays in a game on average. We are not talking about changing that at all. In fact, one of our objectives is to continue that. We're not trying to interfere with the game. What we're trying to do and what I think we'll be successful in doing is make the overall game from a fan standpoint, both in the stadium and home, more compelling because we'll take out downtime. That's the, that's the objective. And we won't judge ourselves simply on does the length of the game go from 307 to 302. What we'll judge ourselves on is do we make it more compelling by taking out downtime. What is a realistic estimate by you and your staff of what the average time of game could be if these measures are passed at the league meetings? Well, I don't think uh, we'll do everything just next week. We may have we may have changes in May. We may have changes a year from now. But I think in the core package that we're talking about, we think it's realistic to think the game will uh, go from 307, which it was this year, to 302. So a five-minute difference. When's the last time the NFL played an average game 
in three hours and two minutes for a season, you know? It's probably 20 years ago or so. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I've I, I seen it at 302. How much of this was motivated on what fans told you and how much was motivated by your gut feeling from things like seeing what's happening on social media and people being so easily distracted away from the game that you didn't want to give them those further reasons to turn away from the game? I think it's all of those things. I, I think you have a gut feel as a fan and someone who's been watching a lot of football for a lot of years. You have a sense of what's exciting, what's a distraction or an intrusion in the game, what you want to keep people focused on. And that was all verified by the fans in the research that was pretty in-depth. Uh, we've also, over the last couple of years, experimented with some things, some of which you may know and you may not know. Week 16, we did quite a bit with respect to some changes, including the commercial format. So I think you put all of that together, but you are living in a different world. You're living in a world where people can get distracted more quickly. They pick up their phone or they haven't even left it. It hasn't even left their hand. And they'll look down, and they'll start to get off on that. The, the more we give them the opportunity to do that, the more they'll do that. And so for our standpoint, that's why every moment should be as compelling as possible throughout our broadcast. And that even includes the commercials, by the way, Peter. And, I, and we're not saying it has to be all action, because I think there's, there's some great moments when it plays over. There's the replay. There's the fans being in, able to interact with one another saying, wow, what a play. Let's watch that again. Or what are they going to do now? What play are they going to run now? What would you do? Who's going to be substituted? All of that is buildup. All that's drama. That's great for us. That's what we as fans love. And that's what we're trying to get them to focus on rather than seeing a promotion about here's how you buy a jersey or here's what's going to be on you have a lot of the network next games, week. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and we're going to address NFLshop.com. I've memorized every one of those ads. <laughs> but it's not – it's that and, it's, you know, all of those things are distraction from a fan standpoint, particularly at critical moments in a game where you just want to keep them focused on what's real and what's important. And that's, that's the focus of where we're trying to get to with our partners because, listen, our partners on the broadcast side are fantastic. They do a great job. We're going to try to make their job easier by allowing them to do what they do so well, which is storytelling and focus on the players and the coaches and the strategy and talk about that as a real fan and as a fan really wants to hear it as opposed to having to be distracted with, well, i got to fit these two promos in before the next play. This is the MMQB Podcast. QB Podcast. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to your favorite team's games. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Hey, there's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. It doesn't just end with sports either. SeatGeek has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I live in New York. Last summer, I got Mets tickets, and it took me 90 seconds with my SeatGeek app. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats. 
Now, pay attention to this next part. It's really important. My listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's 20 bucks right in your pocket. And to get it, all you have to do is this. Download the free SeatGeek app and go to the Settings tab and click Add a Promo Code. Then enter the promo code MMQB. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It doesn't get any easier than this, folks. Download the free SeatGeek app, use it for the first time, and enter promo code MMQB today. Can you take me through any part of this that sticks out to you where somebody, maybe somebody in your office, maybe it was you, maybe somebody on a team, maybe somebody in a front office had an idea to say, for instance, hey, let's put a play clock on after the extra point. Because there's a lot of time where people are just sort of hanging around there. You know, let's get that going. Or so... Was there an idea, was there somebody who came up with an idea that you guys have acted on in this postseason, or are they all basically just things that you've been thinking about doing for a long time? Well, listen, they're not all original ideas. We have a lot of people who are watching a lot of football, and, you know, we have uh, people who make suggestions, whether they be fans, players, coaches, media partners. Uh, We think we're better when we get that kind of input. And that was the reason for reaching out. And we do that on a regular basis. This isn't a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is something we do on most everything. And I get a lot of great ideas. Our current overtime rule, frankly, came from a fan. Uh, Bill Polian, a friend of ours, was the one who came up to me this year with another rule that we're proposing next week, which is why does the overtime have to be 15 minutes? Why couldn't it be 10 minutes? So we put that in front of the competition committee. I thought it was a great idea. What do you Sometimes think of that so, idea, by the way? I think it's a great idea. It really caught my attention when Ten he said Ten minutes it. instead of 15, yes. right? Yes. Why does it have to go 15? And, you know, you just have someone who steps back and looks at it from a different perspective. What's the benefit of 10 versus 15? Five minutes. <laughs> Not to be, you know, you know the, the idea here is you want to force them to win it in regular, yeah. in the regular time period. You don't want them to risk going into the overtime. And there is risk to going in an overtime. There's risk to having that overtime. You don't want them to just be running out the clock in overtime. There's a health and safety issue. That's five more minutes of a a team on the field when they might have to go play in a short week uh, across the country. So from our standpoint, it made a lot of sense. Now, we'll see what the impact is. You may have a lot more overtime games, excuse me, uh, tied games. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. We don't think so. That's part of what we do. We try. You might have the team with the first possession in overtime, sitting on the ball and trying to uh, trying to prevent the next te- trying to prevent the opposition from possessing the ball, even if they end with a field goal, because a seven minute field goal drive only leaves them three minutes. Yes, you're right. Yeah, but and that could happen, but that's all part of the strategy. That just creates another thing for fans. Mm-hmm. and coaches and our media partners to focus on. Did they play that right? Did they, did they do the right thing by sitting on the ball for, for a few minutes? Um, so I, I, that's part of what we're trying the, the extra point was a great example of that two years ago. It's not something that people really focused on, but we did because it became an automatic play. There was, there was no 
really virtually no question of what the outcome was going to be. It was going to be a successful kick. Mm-hmm. We've changed that now. And now people are watching that play. And it has become really important in a lot of important games, including our last Super Bowl. <laughs> and so that, there's, that, that's the element that we're trying to bring into the game, which is more drama, more excitement, more uh, complexity or strategy to our game. And, and that's a good thing for the fans, in my view. Do you have a gut feeling right now whether you have the votes on the overtime proposal? I don't listen. The, the competition committee like the, it. The committee does, and you know they'll make a recommendation on that. We'll have the discussion. I'll have a better feel for that next week. But it makes sense. It, I think it's smart. And we'll, when did Bill Polian tell you this? Uh, it was actually uh, at the Super Bowl, and it really struck me. And I, I mean, I write those things down. I think about it, and I came back to it. And and what did the competition committee say when you first proposed it? That's weird. No, or that's a I, good idea. I think uh, they probably had a little bit of the same reaction I did. I'm sure everyone had a different reaction, but I hadn't thought about that. Maybe that's a smart way. Actually, a couple of competition committee members had been involved in overtimes that went the full length, uh, if I recall correctly. And they said it was really tough to go 15 minutes and then come back the next week. You're going five quarters, right? and you're coming back the next week. So... To me, to a large extent, this is, this is mostly driven on health and safety. But I also think there's a, it's a great change that will create another, another aspect of the game, which will be interesting and compelling. Let's touch on a couple more topics briefly in the time we have left. One, full-time officials. Okay? You seem to be getting close to asking your referees to be full-time employees. How close are you, and could that happen in 2017? The answer is yes. We are going to do it. We're going to implement it. We something we negotiated for with the Officials Association. Uh, it's something that uh, we feel confident that uh, is it worth, at least worth going forward and seeing what the impact is. Uh, what impact does it have on the officials on the field? What impact does it have overall on our officials? To a point you said earlier before, I think the number one thing uh, our clubs clearly look for, and that includes coaches, players, and uh, the teams themselves, and I believe the fans also, is consistency in officiating. This, we believe, can add more consistency because you still are going to have 17 referees who are not in here every week, but if they are in here over some period of time, they will get more consistency. They'll be able to understand what everybody's doing. There'll be better communication. They'll be working along with the same amount of information and the same information that will allow them to officiate the game, I think, more consistently across crews. And that's where it really comes in is how do we create the consistency among crews? Are we you- have some crews that move a game faster than others. Right. There's actually a seven-minute difference between the top and the bottom. Seven-minute difference seven in minute the average time average. of game? Yes. So that wow. means they manage a game differently than another crew. We think we should find a way to narrow that. We think that there's, you know, some people will look at certain fouls differently than others. We don't think that should happen. We think that should be as, as uh, consistent as possible between crews. 
Are you concerned that of your 17 referees, that some of them might say, what if Ed Hockley says, I want to practice law during the fall, I can do it fine? What if Gene Steratore says, I want to do the college basketball games? I mean, what will you do? We'll make those decisions when we come to them. I, I, listen, we all understand this may not be right for every referee. It also may not be restricted to every referee. We might very well bring in other positions. So, in other words, on some crews, it could be the headlinesman, maybe, for instance. It could. Yeah. I think our general focus is it would be best if it was the referees initially, but this is going to happen over a period of time. I don't expect by the start of this 2017 season we'll have 17 referees full season. I don't want to leave you with that impression. Right. I think we will work down a path here and determine how many and whether they're all referees or whether they're other positions. But we will have people full-time before the start of 2017. From every crew? I'm not sure about that. Okay. Uh, But we will have full-time people here. Okay. Let me ask you about the story of the week, the Tom Brady jersey. First of all, how much was your office involved in that story, Roger? Well, there's still a little bit of an ongoing investigation, so I'm probably limited in what I'm saying, but I I think it was uh, a great example of our security team, the Patriots security team, uh, FBI and other law enforcement working together to to make sure that the jersey was recovered. As you know, uh, it was recovered in the home of uh, international media that was credentialed, and so uh, I think it was a great outcome for everybody, including Tom. So, What will that do in the future to how you credential media and how you treat locker room access after the game? Uh, I don't think it'll change, but we probably, as far as credentialing, but I think it may uh, change as, as with respect to the security around the stadium and around the locker room to make sure that uh, we can protect against that. We have a lot of security personnel, as you know, a lot of people checking credentials, but in the you know what, aftermath you have, of a game, there's a lot going on. And not only aftermath of a game, but the aftermath of a Super Bowl. Sure. There are so many different people. Like when I was in the Patriots locker room after the game, you look around and one guy's asking for an autograph and one guy, who, who is this guy? Is he an agent? Is he somebody's kid? You know. Well, uh, that's a problem for you as a working media, too. Right? Yeah. You, you all are doing a job, and we want to make sure that. We I just want to make sure that you don't close the locker rooms after the no, game. I know. Super that's Bowl. not that's not a risk to us. We, you yeah. know, if we have a lot of people in the locker room that shouldn't be in the locker room, they should have never been credentialed in the first place. Yeah. So we'll have to address that. But it's a, you know, that's still a working place. It's a working place for you. But it's a working place for our players and coaches. Last thing I will raise, and that is at the league meetings, it appears as though you're going to get a vote. There will be a vote on the future of the Oakland Raiders. Do you have much of a gut feeling right now about how that vote will go? And are you pretty sure there will be a vote at the league meetings? Well, the committees have been working on this, uh, the stadium and finance committee. So that represents 18 clubs uh, for probably seven or eight months now, uh, late last summer. And analyzing this, being incredibly thorough, as you know, our relocation uh, procedures are uh, very uh, thorough and disciplined and they're intended to be that way because we don't want to see teams relocate. Our attempt is to try to make sure we can have our team stay in each market and be successful in those markets and to uh, pursue every last opportunity to get 
a stadium built and allow those teams to stay there because that's that's the bond with the fan that we want to maintain obviously it's a very important element for us um, I think we have uh, worked through every aspect of evaluating the Las Vegas market in the context of that the impact it would have on the league uh, the impact it would have on other clubs and the two committees are prepared to report on that they will report on that there'll be a full discussion we have had a lot of input from the Oakland officials. I just spoke to the mayor again last night. Uh, we continue to maintain a great deal of dialogue to make sure we've done everything we possibly can to uh, run down every opportunity to, to keep teams where they are. But it unfortunately has been a, in our history and the history of sports, you sometimes don't get to those conclusions. And we all bear responsibility in that. And it's a disappointing outcome and a painful outcome. Do you think there will be a vote in Phoenix on the I Raiders? Do. Yeah, I, I do, uh, because I think the work has been done, and, and frankly, by our procedures, we actually owe the Raiders a vote on that. Roger Goodell, NFL Commissioner, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Enjoyed it. You're listening to the MMQB Podcast. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once. Watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash MMQB. How about it? This costs nothing. ZipRecruiter.com slash MMQB. One more time. Try it for free. All you have to do is go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MMQB. Thanks to my guest, Roger Goodell, on this special edition of the MMQB podcast with Peter King. You know, when the NFL first got Dean Blandino, the vice president of officiating, involved with being able to communicate directly on the field during games with the referee. Now, Blandino is in New York at the command center where I, in fact, interviewed Goodell this week. But when I first was in there and watched the communication between Blandino and the referees on the field, you know, the thought occurred to me, well, the NFL is always talking about consistency, always. And in fact, you know, when they talk so much about the consistency, why in the world would they have 17 different ways, because they have 17 different crews, why would they have 17 different ways of interpreting rules on the field during games? And of course, you're going to have a difficult time all the time when it is a judgment call about what pass interference is, for instance. But I think that what I saw that day, this was in the 2015 NFL season, 
Now, I was in the command center and watching uh, this dance happen between Dean Blandino, his assistant Alberto Riveron, and the officials on the field. And I, I, I just thought to myself, Dean Blandino ought to be basically the voice of God here. He ought to be the one with the final decision. And so now NFL owners will go to Phoenix and probably Monday or Tuesday, assuming Tuesday, will vote on whether the replay decisions will be taken out of the hands of the referee on the field and put in the hands of Dean Blandino and Al Riveron in New York at the command center. Here's the reason why I think that it's a better idea to have Blandino do this. It's a very simple reason that Jeff Triplett is one referee and he's going to see a play slightly different. He's going to see indisputable visual evidence slightly different than, say, Gene Sterator, who might see it slightly different from the way Ed Hockley would see it or Tony Carrenti. So why not have this all be done, indisputable visual evidence in the hands and through the eyes of the New York Officiating Command Center. Dean Blandino making this call. If he's looking at another call, Al Riveron, uh, his assistant, uh, will make the call. I just think it's going to lead to more consistency. And officiating is a hard enough thing to do as it is. In my opinion, if you ask the referees, hey, one more decision that's out of my hand and the heat is going to go to New York in the New York in the league office, I think most referees on the field are going to be fine with that. And I think it's just better for the overall consistency of officiating. Now, look, the NFL has a hard enough time officiating this game, and I believe any time you can add more consistency to it, that's what you should do. And that's why I hope that uh, there will be enough owners. There need to be 24 out of the 32 owners at least who will vote for this. I believe they will. And I would urge the owners to vote to centralize review of replay so that now it's going to come out of one or two heads in New York City and not 17 across the country. Thanks to my guest, Roger Goodell, on this special podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with John Harbaugh, Drew Brees, and Adam Schefter. You can find these on the MMQB.com or on iTunes or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King, me, on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern. And that's on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Thanks to the fine folks at Digital Media for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors on this special podcast, Harry's, SeatGeek, and ZipRecruiter. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll talk to you next week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.